Welcome to the Panic Attack Recovery Podcast, an ongoing source of practical strategies and tips for anxiety and ADHD. We're a collaboration of former sufferers helping those currently struggling with anxiety, panic attacks, and ADHD so they can express their true competencies in life. Now, here is Matthew, your host. Are you one of those people that worries all the time about other people? There are some people who say, I don't have anxiety, I don't have stress, I don't worry about myself. You see, often anxiety and stress can come in the form of worry about other people, not just ourselves. Many people think, well, I don't have stress or anxiety because I am not worried about myself. I'm not self-absorbed. I'm not. But at the core of the fear of what's going to happen to other people or have they taken the appropriate preparations is a desire, albeit probably an unconscious one, for control. In other words, the person who worries or tries to provide helpful advice to others all the time, almost to the point where people don't want to hear that helpful advice. So I'm not talking about people who try to provide advice to others in order to help. I'm really talking about the people who are constantly providing advice to others that is unsolicited and people really find intrusive. In our work at panicattackrecovery.com, we have consulted with many people over the years who have written into us or made comments, what have you, and we often get a sense of the dynamics in their family. And with some of the subscribers who have written into us, it is very clear that um, these are not individuals who themselves are worrying about themselves so much as worrying about others in their family. It could be friends, significant others, always worried about what is going on in those other person's lives. One of the advantages sometimes to talking with people who are not family members or we are as close to such as a family member is we can kind of have a detached independent look at the situation and often you can see dynamics at play in situations such as I'm mentioning where someone wants to exert control over a family member or a friend or others and they're constantly looking to control those other people. However, what these people don't realize is often their anxiety and their worry, as I said, it can be intrusive. It really can add stress and frustration to others around them. So in other words, they're almost passing on and sharing their anxiety and worry through the form of their advice or expressing their concerns and worry to others. And they may make others more concerned and worried than they were to begin with. Not that people should never be worried. I'm not saying that. I'm saying when people have it in check, people have it in under control, have a situation under control, the people that are really intrusive will still offer advice. This is the way I think you should do it. It should be done. And unfortunately, this spreads anxiety and stress to others, but it's also a form of anxiety and stress for the individual who's providing the advice because they're constantly worrying. And they have this sense of control such as, I need to say these things to these other people because something bad might happen if I don't do that. It's almost like the individual is unconsciously believing that it's their job to control the other people's lives. One of our subscribers who wrote into us, I'll call her Mary. Mary explained that she was often attempting to help family members uh, by providing help and suggestions in uh, raising their children. She had some, uh, she called them children, but they were grown adults who had their own children. So she was talking about her grandchildren. She was often giving advice to Mary, was often giving advice to her son and daughter-in-law about 
what they ought to do with their children and saw this as a form of concern uh, for the grandchildren and also for her son and and daughter-in-law in sort of passing on the lessons that she had learned and felt that she was providing valuable advice to them and really felt that sometimes these folks could be very indignant when given advice. They really didn't appreciate the advice. In talking with Mary over some time, we corresponded back and forth for a while, we discovered that Mary really did have the sense that if she didn't provide this advice to her son and daughter-in-law, that in fact they didn't know how to appropriately raise their children. So it wasn't that explicitly stated by Mary But it became very clear that Mary really felt that she needed to share this information uh, with her son and daughter-in-law in in order to ensure that they were appropriately parenting her grandchildren. Again, it wasn't this explicit. Mary did not state it this way, but to an independent observer, as I said, someone who's not part of the situation, the family dynamics, we could see clearly at panic attack recovery that she really did have some reservations about the ability for her son and and daughter-in-law to parent. They were relatively new parents. They were young when they had their children. But nevertheless, they were now grown adults. And after talking with Mary for some time, things had been going quite well in her grandchildren's life. However, Mary felt that there were certain things done uh, by the parents of her grandchildren that really um, she wouldn't have done that way. She would have done this instead. And so over time, what we said is you have to understand the perspective of these people. Think of yourself when, when you were a parent, if your mother or father was providing advice when you were doing your best job parenting. And over time, we really felt that Mary started to appreciate this message because it came from a third party who wasn't part of the situation. Although admittedly, I think Mary uh, wrote to us thinking that we would simply validate what she was doing and planning on taking that information back to her son and daughter-in-law in the hopes of sort of saying, you know, look, other people agree you should be listening to me. As I always say, please don't get trapped in the example that I've provided here because there are many other examples of this type of worrying that that people do for other people in their life, thinking that they can control those other person's lives in some way or another. It could be even in the form of worrying about things in general that they cannot control. And I'm reminded of uh, the serenity prayer, I believe it is, from Alcoholics Anonymous and others, which essentially, and I'm paraphrasing, says that one gives up control over the things that they cannot control and concerns him or herself with the things that they can control. And that's very good advice, we think, at Panic Attack Recovery, because for the person who does worrying for other people, often the things that they're worrying about and trying to influence are not things that they can, in fact, control anyway. In a sense, it's a habit that is formed where the person provides advice to others, and it makes the individual feel better who's providing the advice but it's really not having an effect on the individuals who are receiving the advice. And by thinking about the serenity prayer, as I've put it, one can think about control and what's in my control and what is not in my control. So I would encourage everyone, yourself included, to think about whether or not you, in fact, worry about other people's lives beyond the point of what's reasonable. You're perhaps sometimes intrusive, Uh, crossing boundaries that you shouldn't cross and providing advice. 
And, you know, I'm not saying that you are necessarily doing that, but often people are doing this without realizing it. But the second level to this is often people are doing this with just situations that they cannot control. So they're worrying about stressing over situations they cannot control. Again, I provided one other example of someone hears an ambulance siren or it could be a fire truck, a police siren, and they say a prayer for the situation saying, if I don't say a prayer, something bad is going to happen. So again, um, we mustn't feel guilty when we hear an ambulance siren and think that we have to control that situation. Your personal choice on whether you say a prayer or a statement or whatever you do in that situation is your own, but realizing situations where you have and do not have control is really helpful in anxiety. Now, often when advice like this is provided, everyone will say, oh, that makes sense. That's obvious though. Of course I don't do this. Or of course I wouldn't do this. And the point that I always make is don't be trapped by the example. The, the example that I provided today of Mary or of someone hearing the siren of an emergency vehicle is really only two examples. And the real examples of situations such as these can be very subtle and often hard to detect at first. But over time, if one becomes more mindful of whether or not they're doing these things, they might start to catch themselves in their own situations where they may be trying to control things that they cannot control. Thank you for listening to the Panic Attack Recovery Podcast. Make sure that you have subscribed to our podcast and please comment and rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All show notes and links are accessible from our website. Please visit our site and subscribe to our free newsletter at panicattackrecovery.com. All information has been provided for educational purposes. Please consult a healthcare professional about any disorder or condition and the applicability of any information provided in this podcast.